This podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or BritpodScene on Twitter to find out more. Everybody be cool. You be cool. Good evening and welcome to the Film and TV Show with me, Richard S, on this lovely Monday evening. So tonight I am doing a show with my fellow 753 Film Club uh, crew. Uh, if you don't know that, then you can check out on Twitter to find out a little bit more about that. Um, I'm joined by Lee, Stuart and Chad. Say hello, gentlemen. Good, hey, good hey, evening. Nice. Hello. Good evening. evening. Excellent. So we'll be doing 80s Part 2 tonight. So we're doing some 80s films. We've each picked an 80s film and we're going to... Not so much argue the, uh, the the fact for each film, but we're going to go for each one and, and say why they're our personal favourites. We can debate. Um, we'll we can debate, debate. yes. Yes, we'll make it a mass debate, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> um, the tier of the week this week is, uh, well, it has to be my Beverly Hills Cop uh, Taggart, Rosewood and Foley t-shirt with Beverly Hills Cop on the back. So have a guess which film I'm championing. Um, and that was done by the awesome girls at Sorella Print. So thank you very much for that. If you want a t-shirt handmade and designed just for you, give them a shout. Um, the Facebook page, if you want to follow us on Facebook, is FTV Show. On Twitter is at the FTV Show. You can find us on iTunes and hit that subscribe button as well. That would be amazing. And you can also now find us on Instagram as well, Film and TV Show. So if you do get a follow from us, uh, please follow back. And, uh, and yeah, so we're going to crack straight on with a little bit of, uh, a little bit of this. And then we'll come back and we'll start with the first film. Let's go back. Way back. Back into time. When the only people that existed were troglodytes. Cavemen. Cavewomen. Neanderthal. <laughs> Thank you. 
The Film and TV Show with Richard S. Only on Heroin Community Radio. That's it. A little bit of Beverly Hills Cop there. Being a bit biased, but it is my show. So we'll do my film first. Um, so we'll do Beverly Hills Cop first. Um, the reason I chose Beverly Hills Cop was because it's one of the most iconic films that I think I have ever, ever seen. That initial um, beginning part of the film where he, you know, you've got Axel Foley, Eddie Murphy, is sitting in the back of the truck trying to sell them cigarettes. Yeah. And yeah, right. um, that was actually the first scene they ever filmed for that film. And most of that was improvised. He actually mm. improvised most of that. Where where he's, he's hang, like, hanging off the side. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, um, yeah. The main bit where he's talking uh, and he says, uh, is that you? He goes, no, man, I'm from Buffalo. He yeah. made that up. <laughs> he literally just or made just that up. Off the cuff. Off the cuff, yeah, just yeah. made that up, yeah. And it was absolutely amazing. And the actual chase scene was the last bit that they filmed. So the, him sitting in the truck was the first bit. The actual chase was the very, very last bit that they filmed, right. which is absolutely mad. Um, and and I've got to ask, was that a stuntman or was that him? Uh, hanging off the For 55% of the time, it was him. He did not swing outside of the uh, van and smash himself into the side of it. That was a stuntman. What yeah. about when he gets thrown through the window? That's a stuntman. That's a stuntman. Yeah, that's a stuntman. I always remember that scene as well. Yeah. That's, that's uh, a great stunt on the, um, on the side of the truck, isn't it? That's, that's really it's amazing. Yeah, that's an extreme one. Absolutely amazing. I mean, it's got such a, a great cast. Um, Gilbert Hill, Gil Hill, plays Inspector Todd, was a real inspector for uh, Detroit Homicide. He went all the way from detective to inspector and then to commander and retired in 1989, commander of the Detroit Police Department, and then went on to be a councilman. <laughs> he was an actual proper... So how did he get the role? I mean, was it just... Because he was in, because it was being based in Detroit and they wanted it to be authentic. Ah. So they just, they put it out and... Someone, I don't know, his commander at the time put him forward for it and was like, yeah, 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 I'll do it. And the way that he talks to Foley, he said in an interview that if he had been a real police officer, he'd have beat the crap out of him (laughs) because he was just so insubordinate. He said, but but working with working with Eddie Murphy he said was an absolute joy and Murphy was only 23 at the time he was, was straight out of Saturday Night Live was, so it was this pre his stand up sort of uh, raw uh, kind of in the middle of it was in the middle of that yeah and also he had a musical career as well he released a couple of albums he did. in the 80s very very was early that, on was that before yeah so right okay but he was he was kind of in his Saturday Night Prime but he wasn't first choice first choice was Stallone Sly Stallone yeah. actually auditioned for oh, it and got right. the part and they rewrote it in the ilk of Cobra and typical Stallone films yeah. of the 80s. And then two weeks before filming, he just decided to go. Apparently, it was over orange juice. Someone didn't squeeze his orange juice right, no and he threw a hissy. That's what, that, that's what a lot of people on the inside say. I don't think it's true. But I, did, I did read about this, actually, and the, the, the ending would have been quite different. There was a yes. high-speed train chase. Yep. But it also, in the frame for this, was Mickey Rourke. Yes. It could yeah, have it been was. a very difficult, different film, couldn't it? Yeah. yeah, with Mickey Rourke, it would have been very serious. I, yeah. I don't think I could have taken it. Well, I'm, I'm having trouble thinking about where the humour would yeah. be with either Slice Stallone. Stallone. Would have been a totally or, different film, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. also, they wouldn't have carried off the... I mean, the whole reason... The, the look Eddie Murphy's got with the hoodie and the, the white white Nikes and the jeans. Yeah, and yeah. It's a bit, it would be more... Fitting for Michael J. Fox, yeah, you know, or someone I think like the that, fact that he, he was supposed to be from you know. the streets, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's from the streets, and then going to you know Beverly Hills, which is uh, the posh area. I don't know how it would have worked with many other people, you know. It's well, like... the, um, no idea in terms of like in, in terms of how him looking street. That jacket yeah. that was his, that was his That's own personal jacket. jacket, and the T-shirt was actually from a local Detroit school. He went into and actually 
bought it and they were so inundated with it afterwards they had to tell people no sorry you can't buy it it, <laughs> we're not doing it because there were so many people that wanted it yeah. and like some of the improv that, that he did the banana in the tailpipe yeah. Yeah, 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 that was improv. Um, Super cops. That's my all. One of my all-time favorites. Yeah. And, and uh, Johnny Wishbone. That's all improv. That's all him. Yeah, they yeah. were just like, right, this is a scene. Go for it. And he just kind of went, blah, 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 you know, these guys are super cops. Yeah, there was a lot of comedy between the the, the two uh, police officers and, and, and himself. Yeah, um, absolutely. Ta- and, they had they yeah. had great chemistry. And yeah. when um, when Judge Reinhold and John Ashton auditioned. They had to basically make up a scenario um, and kind of talk to kind of get chemistry. And they used the five kilograms of red meat, which is used in the film. They in, actually the, in, used, the, in the colon, this is the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They used that as their, as their audition scene because Judge Reinhold had already been cast. Yeah. And they brought in John Ashton and they said, right, go. And they just reeled it off. And Martin Brest loved it so much. He was like, we need to use that. Well, what had um, Judge Reinhold been in before? Um, he had been in um, Ridgemont High. Yeah, Fast Times at Ridgemont Fast High. Times at Ridgemont uh, R- High. Ruthless People. Yep. Oh, yeah, no, that was that's a, right. That's a, a, that's a comedy. So that he was also yeah. Gremlins, and then later um, the Santa Claus trilogy. Yes. <laughs> so he was in Gremlins. Yeah, I'm trying to think who, who he was in that. It wasn't a big part. No. Yeah, but he, uh, did he work with him? Yes, in the he shop. Worked yeah, in the shop yeah, or yeah, the yeah. bank or something. It's coming back to me now. Yeah, yeah, he worked with him in there, but. It, 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 I mean, the, the soundtrack is so typically 80s. You know, the, the beginning scene, you know, where you've got um, Phrase, the heat is on, and that's cracking. And yeah. those scenes were actually filmed at the same time as the truck scene. They actually just took out the truck and used yeah. those scenes from the truck scene. I mean, at, at, <laughs> at the time, um, Harold Fultemeyer's Axel F was a massive hit. Yeah, because um, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously older than you, most of you guys. Lee's probably the same age as me, or more or less. No, I, re- <laughs> but, um, I, I remember it being number one. I remember the I film was, coming out and watching it and thinking, eight. Eddie Murphy, this is something new. You know, this is a fish out of water comedy, and Eddie Murphy's performance, there's something new about it. Yeah. Uh, and the music as well was, was fresh. You know, this, the Axel F theme probably launched a, and sold a million Yamaha keyboards. Well, yeah, there was, only, the there was only three synthesizers yeah. used yeah, it, it started yeah. a big craze in the uh, piano necktie. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, Frankie. You, you, you had one of those keyboards, didn't you, Stuart? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back in back in the day, in the day, yeah. The early early Roland stuff. I think everyone had a Yamaha keyboard at some point, didn't they? Yeah. The only problem is I, I smashed mine. I didn't know how to use mine, so yeah, that was it. Yeah. I just kind of knew the chopsticks <laughs> and I think that and the East Enders theme tune. Oh, and that was probably it. That was probably everything. But it, it, I, I just love it because of I just love Beverly Hills Cop because it's. It's it's not so much a feel good film, is it? For me, it's got everything. It's got comedy. Yeah, it's got. Yeah. I think it's, we need to. I, I'd like to watch it again now. Um, now you, you've sold it to me. Yeah, I, wanna, need, I, need, I need to, to watch that film again. We, you know, yeah. I, I, this, this was the um, this was the, film night, doesn't it? This was the run with um, this Jerry Br- um, Bruckheimer and Don Simpson before Don Simpson killed himself by ingesting too much powder over the years. But the films they did together, you know, um, Flashdance, Beverly Hills Cop, Top Gun, The Rock. There was a big run there before they fell out, and obviously yeah. Brookheim is still doing big stuff today with the Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, uh, yeah. series, etc. You just kind of reminded me of in that in Beverly Hills Cop, there was um, a chap who um, Axel Foley. He was contacting back at his old station. He was a comedian as well. His name was yeah. He played. He was a, char- a character called Jeffrey. I can't think who the the guy was, um, yeah. but yeah, it was a guy called Jeffrey. And he's he done was... a few things since then. I yeah, who he was. Yeah, yeah, he was on there. I mean. You know, 
the the connection between Martin Brest and, and Axel Foley was Brest worked on Saturday Night Live. So he, him and Eddie Murphy already knew each other. And when Stallone pulled out, he was like, right, let's get this guy on, you know. Mm. He does Raw, he's a funny guy. We'll let mm. him improvise and, and everything, you know. Just just let him go, you know. Um, you mentioned Brockheimer. Yeah. An interesting fact that I found out that Brockheimer actually flipped a coin on whether or not to produce the film. Mm. Martin Brest gave it to him and he was like, oh, I don't know about it. So he flipped a coin. Who else was in the running? Any uh, it, well, it took five years for... For Martin Brest to finally pick it up and, and try and sell it to a studio, so I don't even know who was up for it afterwards. But mm. yeah, well, thankfully he did because it's, it's just it's one, one of the best films of the eighties. And yeah. Martin Brest did the um, Midnight Run as well, which is yes. another huge, massive film, film with it's Robert De Niro, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Cri- critically acclaimed movie. Um, yeah, Senate Woman and Meet Joe Black as well. Awesome. So that's why I love Beverly Hills Cop so much. It's yeah. I, overall, it's just a fabulous film for me. I'd I love it. It's 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 got everything I would want from an '80s film. I mean, I'm I may be born in the '80s, but I will always love the '80s music and films. One one of the awesome things about it is the fact that every time you hear that Axel F theme tune, you just think Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, without a doubt, every time, you know? absolutely. Or when you hear "Get the F Out of Here," which uh, yeah, mentioned, yeah, that's one oh, of the best yeah. things. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah. God, yeah! If only we could swear, that would be amazing. <laughs> um, I, I, just, I, the best part for me is when he gets chucked out a window. Yeah, I've been thrown out of a window. Yeah, yeah that's I, I, I heard. I heard. That's about... when he first arrives in Beverly, Beverly Hills. Yeah, yeah, he goes yeah. to see Victor Maitland yeah, after yeah, he's yeah. been to see Jenny Summers. He goes to see Victor Maitland. They chuck him out. He's like, I've been thrown out of a window. What's the charge for, for, for being chucked from a car? Jaywalking? I think. I think that, that scene. Um, I think I read somewhere that. Um, the window was supposed to shatter with a little pyrotechnic charge, yeah. but it didn't. No, they actually the, the, the stuntman actually went through it. Went through it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was, uh, yeah, that's got to hurt, especially back in them days. Yeah, so, oh, and yes. worth mentioning as well. When we get to the ne- another film we're talking about tonight. We've got Ronnie Cox, oh, another yes. appearance, Bogomil. Yeah, <laughs> Lieutenant Bogomil. Love what, him. What a name, Love Bogomil. Him. Who oh. came? How would he come up with that name? Don't Bogomil. know, but that's just genius, isn't it? <laughs> awesome right so we'll play a couple of films a couple of films no we won't we'll play a couple of songs and then we'll be right back with um, with the next film
There we go. And that was the brilliant Gerard McCann with Cry Little Sister, which is a theme from the amazing Lost Boys. Although, apparently, according to someone on Twitter, Near Dark was much better than the Lost Boys. But that's that's contentious and that's completely <laughs> different. I know, right? Absolutely <laughs> shocking. So, uh, the next one we're going to talk about is War Games. Yeah. And that is... Uh, and who's that? Who's is that? Who's favourite? That's, that's, that's Lee's. That's Lee's. Lee's. <laughs> Lee's. Go on in, Lee. Sell it to us. Well, War Games... Blimey. Um, 1983, computers were just coming in. We'd never seen anything like it. We'd been out playing on our bikes, and then computers started to come into the classroom. And this movie came along with, um, do you guys remember Tron? Mm. Um, another a, a Disney movie. Yeah. And uh, it was the whole idea that a guy in his bedroom can hack, I suppose. They didn't use the term at the time. But they could hack into, uh, you know, a defense computer and basically nearly bring around World War Three. Um, fortunately, they had the, guy, the likes of Matthew Broderick, who was uh, Matthew Broderick, <laughs> yeah, legend. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all know him for like Ferris Bueller's Day Off and stuff. But um, and also being married to Sarah Jessica Parker. Indeed. Mm. Is he, are they still married? Yeah, still oh, married. Oh, okay, well, good for him. Poor fella. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well done. But, uh, you know, it, when you watch a movie, you are, um, I mean, I'm a gadget geek. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows me, I'm a gadget geek. But it, um, it's so believable because it was of the time. Um, and all the technology that they used worked at that time. It's all believable. Even the scene where he um, is in the phone booth and he hasn't got any money. Yeah. And he used the um, the ring pull. I don't know how that how did that work because I watched that the other day and I thought, what was he exactly doing there? Well, what he was doing, he was grounding out the uh, signal because back in the day, AT and T and uh, the phone companies in the states they didn't have a exchange like we have now, a digital exchange. It was all analog, so all he had to do was get a signal to trick the exchange to think that there, you know, your coin has gone through the, the switch. Um, so it, it was actually a hack, um, Steve. Um, were Wozniak from Apple days. Yeah, it was one of the Glory. hacks. That, one of the hacks that he um, he he used to uh, use as well. Uh, they had a little box as well that, that that did it, but it all worked. It was all there, and obviously 1983, Soviets, USA. You know, it was ideal, red against blue. Um, but the technology, just the way they kept pushing the technology in it, and it was possible for, to watch that movie. And then go into your bedroom with all the same, pretty much the same kit, eight and a half inch floppy disks, and um, pretty much recreate it. I mean, uh, it, it was that it was it was that real. It was that of the moment. So, and that just got me into it with my old um, ZX eighty one computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's before Richard's time. Yeah, probably. yeah, well, I still know what it is. ZX eighty one, ZX Spectrum, Sinclair stuff. Um, oh yes. So it was. Um, it, it was just one of those moments that uh, you thought, wow, I, I can do this as well as the guys on the movies. I think even though this film was made back in 83, the theme couldn't be any more current, could it? This is really artificial intelligence, isn't it? You know, you've, it got, you've got people like Elon Musk now saying AI poses the, the greatest threat to civilization ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this film was, was tackling what was a primitive artificial intelligence. Yeah. And there's a scene in the movie where um, they said to him, um, you know, why did you call it? Why did you dial in again? He said, I didn't. I didn't. You know, Joshua called me. Joshua was the name of the, the computer, the War Machines computer, uh, the Whopper. Yeah. Um, what does that stand for, Lee? It's uh, um, <laughs> War Operations Planned Response. That's geeky. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's because he knew you such, knew it. That's such why. Such a geek, yeah. Uh, sorry about that, guys. Um, but, um, yeah, he said, um, that, you know, I didn't call. The computer called me. And they all stopped and went, what do you mean? It called you. It can't. 
And that's when they kind of realize that there's something up here and that this computer is more than, you know, just a normal computer that you tell it what to do. So going through the whole movie, and even at the end, the, the um, you know, the cliffhanger, you know, is it going to find the codes to launch the missiles? What's going to happen? And then right when you think it's all about to become World War Three, bang, tic-tac-toe that's, on the that's screen. Clever, oh, yes. <laughs> and it's the classic countdown um, cliffhanger at the end, isn't it? It it's, was. Yeah. It was. You were on the edge of your seat because you really didn't know what was going to go on. It was it was. But it's just like the little interaction that that, that, it, that the computer has with with the guy is just brilliant. It just kind of slowly each letter just pins up on the screen. You just think, oh, that's so atypically eighty. It's so eighty, and it was what I saw side on because um, before the ZX Spectrums and the Sinclair computers, I was working on BBC Micro and Commodore PET computers, green screen. Um, and that was what I knew. And that's what translated for me watching war games, thinking this is exactly what I'm actually dealing with right now. So I think I can actually do stuff like that. And that's kind of the way I took it. Do you want a nice bit of trivia? Go on. This, this one's on, yeah, trivia. So uh, you've got Dr. Stephen Falcon, who is yeah. the, the man who designs the machine um, and the code. Um, he was originally um, penciled in to be played by John Lennon. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so John, so John Lennon died before that role could be taken up. He was murdered. Oh. Um, but also, another interesting thing, um, Dr. Stephen Falcon, he's, he was inspired and named after Stephen Hawking, as in Falcon, Hawk. Ah, right, yeah, that um, makes sense. And, yeah, that's... Um, and the, David Lightman um, was modelled on a real-life hacker called David Scott Lewis. No, I think I've actually heard of that guy. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, this name does ring a there's bell. There's plen- plenty behind this, plenty of um, things it's actually based on. It was on just one of those, like you say, it's one of those films that it just kind of blew people away when they watched it. And even watching it now, um, it, it holds up because we were talking the other day, weren't we? That, yeah. that it really holds up against uh, against time. I mean, it was what thirty years ago that film. I yeah. watched. I watched it um, at the weekend, and I was surprised. Apart from obviously the, the technology in it, how modern it looked. Yeah, you know the cinematography. Um, just the whole the whole way the film was put together, is, and, and, is that, and that's still kind of excellent. And that's kind of borne out in the fact that um, in a recent um, Tom Cruise movie, um, Edge of Tomorrow, I think it was called, or Live Die Repeat, yeah, depending live, on where you live. Yeah. <laughs> live Die Repeat. There's a scene at the beginning when Tom Cruise is in the um, in, in an operations center, war operations center, and the background is the same are the same screens as used in war games. I mean, that's just crazy to think that they could bring back the same thing but it worked it worked really well i think you got something on this as well haven't you richard that, that particular set there yeah the, the actual set for norad in yeah. war in, in in war games was actually used as the the basis for the beverly hills police department in beverly hills cop so the martin breast actually designed the original outlay for norad in war games oh. and when he was doing the um the kind of outline for beverly hills the police department because he wanted it to be completely different to um, to the actual uh, Detroit one, so you know, like a place for rich people to go. Basically, mm. he used the the design of that to build it, which was which was actually pretty decent. Um, and he put a lot of time into it as well. It took him ages to to do the one for War Games, but he um, but yeah, he did that, which was which was pretty good. To be honest, it was a, it was uh, very clever. I think because I think that gave him the idea is when he was watching it back, um, and he said that it you know one of the best things he did was. Was the the NORAD, yeah, set, yeah, I suppose, yeah, 
and it was one of the first movies I saw Ali Sheedy in as well. Yeah. Um, yes, who um, played the uh, the young lady that he uh, hacked into the school computer and changed her grade. I can't think it was in biology or something from a an F to a, an A. But um, she was uh, also in one of our favourite movies, Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club, yeah. And she, there couldn't be two any more different roles, really, could there? Yeah. I mean, in Breakfast Club, she was just an outcast. This one, yeah. she was like, you know, one of the Valley Girls. And she was in there and into it and everything. But it, mm. it just goes to show, I mean, the amount of people available to act. And they've got these same faces popping up again and again. Yeah. And I, I particularly like um, Barry Corbin as General Jack Berenger. He's <laughs> yes. the sort of the southern... General, um, yeah, straight straight to the point. No time really for the technology, and in pretty much proven to be correct at the end of the movie, isn't he? That's he's right. a, um, a hard whiskey drinker. Yeah, apparently, is he really? Yeah. <laughs> he was chewing on um, um, tobacco tobacco <laughs> during the whole movie. That was he's, yeah, he's got a cigar in his hand, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> but he was in any any which way you can, which uh, is the Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah. yeah, he was good in that one. He was also. Um, uh, and you've got uh, Michael. Michael Madsen was in this, wasn't he as well? Yeah, yeah I know. I, I didn't remember him being in it. So is he one of the? He, one cut, of the he cut off some. He's, he's one of the guys from Michael Madsen's from Reservoir Dogs. That's right. Yes. Yeah. He's yeah. a guy. He's the one that cuts off the, the yeah, cobra's yeah. ear. Like yeah. Yeah. But he does he the, the same in War Games, but it, it, <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> the scene was removed. He did not. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, he took off his nose. No, he looked disapproving. No, he looked disapproving. He cut the wire. Of the computer. No, he, he looked disapprovingly when the uh, technician was replacing him yeah, with, a, it, yeah. with a, a control relay to um, ah, let the Whopper okay. take control. Yeah. yeah. Damn technology. Ah, you got to love it. Got to love it. So director John Badham also did Saturday Night Fever um, and Blue Thunder. Yeah. Blue Thunder. Blue Thunder. Was that Roy Scheider? Was it was it Scheider. Yeah, yeah. So that was Jaws. Yeah. Awesome. That was kind of Airwolf. Another technology thing, movie. Yeah. Airwolf was the sort of the TV. Yeah, yeah. Jack, Jan Michael Vincent coffee, wasn't it? Yeah. Awesome. Right, let's play a song and then we can crack on to the next one. Right, Thank you very much.
Listening to the Film and TV Show with Richard S. There we go. Absolutely amazing song there by Simple Minds. Don't you forget about me. And how many people, when you listen to that, at that last bit, put your hand in the air just like at the end of the film? Because I know I did, and I'm really sad because I did it, but I don't care because I absolutely love that film. It's amazing. Well, Breakfast Club style, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> love it. That's an amazing film. Amazing Jacuzza. film. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, next film we're going to talk about. Back to the Future, probably the most iconic film ever, and someone dibsed it before anyone else could pick it. Well, um, you, you I've never, never seen it. Never seen it. You no, know, behave yourself. <laughs> behave yourself. Go on in. Go on in, Stu. Sell it to us. So, yeah, Back to the Future, 1985. Um, in the, the, the sort of top-grossing films of the 80s, it comes in at number eight, right behind Beverly Hills Cop. So it's, um, it's a film which... Uh, Basically recouped its budget over and over again. I think on nineteen million dollars, it uh, grossed domestically two hundred and ten million. Um, yeah, it made, made uh, DeLoreans cool. Made DeLoreans cool. Um, and a, a fact, in fact, I think he was a, quite a fan of the film. Yeah, Mr. DeLorean. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a sci-fi fantasy movie, um, and it's quite a strange concept, isn't it? Really, the fact there's um, there's somebody going to um, go back in time yeah. and potentially have to romance yeah. his own mother. Yeah, yeah that, that um, is a bit twisted. though. It is a bit twisted. But I think it's... Um, it's genius, isn't it? Really? It is genius. <laughs> but I think it's almost perfect. Um, I know the um, USC Film School, they actually use the, the screenplay for this to teach their students the perfect screenplay. USC? What yeah, the Un- University of Southern California. Oh, okay. Right. So, you know, it's highly regarded. And I think everything about it is perfect, especially, yeah. especially the cast. I think, uh, for me, it's uh, Doc. 
Yeah, well, Christopher oh, Lloyd. Christopher is Lloyd. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, it's just so funny. But you know, um, you know, Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly, breakout role. Um, he, he was on Family Ties, wasn't he, before this yeah. on TV? Um, I think Team Wolf you know, came out the same year, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. So, so we know, you know, Eric Stoltz was on set filming for I think six and a half weeks before they realised he realised as well that he wasn't right for the part no um, but another interesting bit of trivia and we keep dragging him up is that Johnny Depp did actually audition for the part of Marty McFly and that would have been right at the beginning of his, um, yeah. his, his film career um, but I just, I just love everything about it I think it's, um, it's perfectly paced um, it's got some great uh, comic moments some great characters and the story is endlessly inventive yeah um, you know the, the sequels were strong maybe the third perhaps not so much but, you know, the 89, Back to the Future 2, and then 3, 1990, film back-to-back. Um, I think it must be one of the most solid trilogies, I think, in film history. It has to be one of, it has to be one of if not the best trilogies, because that in their own merits, each of the films touch on something completely different, and they take you somewhere completely different. I mean, obviously, we've just gone past when Marty actually went into the future. Obviously, mm. no flying cars but we do have 3D films, just not as bad as him, and yeah. we don't have... Uh... Still gutted about the flying cars, though. I know, right? Someone really needs to get on that. Someone yeah. needs to get on the front of Tesla. Yeah, I think <laughs> give so. Him, oh, give him a bell. That would work. Can you imagine? But it, it is an absolutely solid, solid yeah. trilogy. Well, Amazing. I, I always remember at the end with the To Be Continued, and at the time, because I was very young, um, you know, the days, weeks, years seem like, you know, Christmas seems like a lifetime away. Now they just fly by. But back then, I always remember thinking, when the hell is this sequel coming out? Because <laughs> yeah. it didn't come out till 89, yeah. did it? There were, there were problems That's with That's like it. four years. But, but now, sequels can take like 20 years. I mean, train spotting yeah. and, you know. Yeah. But Robert Zemeckis didn't, just, didn't want to do a sequel. No. He didn't want to be known as the sequel guy, Zemeckis. No. Uh, and this was, this was the problem. And also, uh, they had casting uh, issues. I think as well, because the first film's just so good. Yeah. And... And what you have with the first film is that it is timeless. You know, you can watch that with your kids. Well, in the, in the second one, so Leah Thompson, uh, who played the girlfriend, she couldn't come back. Her mother contracted cancer, so she was out. Chris, Chris Green Glover, shoe, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah but he, he threw his toys out of pram, Chris yeah. Green Glover, because he didn't get, he didn't get paid... Um, enough as anybody else, and he felt that he had quite a prominent role. He's brilliant, Crispin Glover. I like Crispin Glover anyway. I know he's a bit of a he's a bit of a, a strange. He's character. amazing in Sin City. Yeah, awesome. And, you know, he's he's. A, I think he's an amazing actor. I think his role um, in the first film, George McFly, is is one of the strongest in the whole film. Yeah, he's you know he's hilarious. You know he's he's um, and he was a very young guy playing. Yeah. Obviously, an, an old guy. He was in Charlie's Angels, wasn't yeah. he, with uh, Drew Barrymore? Was he? Yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, the first one he was. Yeah. Yeah. Strange man, or and something. Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter. He was yeah. in that as well. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I think he's great in, in the role in the first film. But I say, I'm a massive Robert Zemeckis fan because I think what he, is he, he gets eating under... at the, in the the uh, cafe stroke restaurant thing where Biff comes in. Oh, is it, it's like, is like a cereal, cereal or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is, that's again, that's because if you see him in the future uh, or in the present day, 1985. Yeah. He's eating some sort of crazy cereal, which is pouring out and it's spilling out That's over the bar. Yeah, yeah. And he's so walking with it, isn't he? It's basically saying yeah, yeah. he's been a bit of a yeah, geek yeah. all his life, really, yeah. a bit of a loser. He's That's spilling the, it everywhere. And yeah. Yeah. But he's got his glasses on. But Zeme- yeah, Zemeckis, the reason I like Robert Zemeckis is I think he's one of the underrated filmmakers in terms of what he's done in, in um, pushing technology. Because people talk about Andy Serkis and motion capture, performance capture, but the guy who was really championing that really was Robert Zemeckis. So films like whether you like them or not, Polar Express, love Polar um, Express. You know, um, Beowulf, the um, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, yeah. the the Jim Carrey version of A Christmas Carol. Really? It yep. was yeah. pushing forward this performance motion capture technology, and even in the Back to the Future movies, the, the first film relies on a lot of um, optical matting technology. 
but the second and third is very much um, using um, motion control, mm. digital FX, and he was pushing that along. So like maybe him and George Lucas, you know, um, both used um, obviously one was the founder of one used ILM for the visual effects. They are pioneers. I tell you what, just thinking now, I only realised probably a year ago that Huey Lewis is the teacher. Yeah. You know when he's getting yeah, yeah, the yeah. audition? Yeah. Which was, yeah. You, know, you know how many, like... Um, and his band's brilliant, by the way, isn't it? When they found it's a yeah, brilliant, yeah. brilliant performance. <laughs> yeah. There's just some things that you... Do you know what I mean? So that film's that old, and then uh, I find something new. A nice, nice little bit of um, trivia here. So Christopher Lloyd's... Well, basically, if you remember in the film, there's the Texaco garage. Yeah, yeah. So in the back in the 50s, the, the, the group of five guys all in their immaculate uniforms they run out and polish the car. Yeah. And in the future, you see the, um, the, yeah, yeah. the robot kind of cleaning the, the hovering car. Yeah. But Christopher Lloyd's maternal grandfather was one of the founders of the Texaco oil company. Right. Oh, really? So that, that's a bit of trivia sort of harvested up from uh, IMDb. Nice. Oh, there's plenty of trivia on IMDb. I just yeah. picked up one myself. Um, Alex P. Keaton on Family Ties, which mm. is what um, uh, Michael J. Fox played. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't the first choice. The first choice was Matthew Broderick. Ah, from War Games. So yeah. we we could have had Matthew Broderick going on to be in Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, Michael J. Fox in we War could Games. Have. <laughs> um, but another, another qu- quick connection here um, is you know the actors who shared. So we've got James Tolkien as Principal Strickland. In Back to the Future, yes. Um, actually, if you watch this on the Blu-ray transfer, you can see there's a bit of weakness in some of the visual makeup effects. There, his neck looks very stuck on prosthetics. Yeah, but that's that's you know looking yeah. at 1080p. Quality. He was brilliant in He-Man, though. Yeah, yeah, he was. Of the, yes. Master of the Universe. He was, he was in amazing. War Games as well, wasn't he? Yeah. So that's the, yeah. the crossover tonight. Absolutely. What's he called in uh, Master of the Universe? Something like Callahan or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, they, they they go past his house and he comes out with a shotgun. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> So um, yeah, I think it's brilliant. Another another face you probably will recognise in this movie is um, there's, the, there's the, the brother and sister. So they um, at the end of the film, when it's all been put right, the brother works in an office, but at the beginning is a bit of a slacker. Dave McFly, um, and he's um, Mark McClure who played um, Jimmy Olsen in Superman, so the 1978 oh, version. Yeah, he did. So it's kind of oh, like yeah, I didn't. Think about it, because I watched it again the other day, I thought, oh, I need to look up that. Yeah, and it's the same guy. I was used to get him confused with him or John McEnroe. John McEnroe, <laughs> yeah. Actually, I can see where you're going with that Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. He does, yeah. He does look a little bit like a young yeah. John McEnroe, doesn't he? Yeah. And another great thing about this film is the yeah. score is amazing. So this is an Alan Silvestri yeah. score, and he's still going now. He's doing the Avengers, Captain America, the first Avenger, the new Infinity War movie is scoring that as well. So he's still a very current guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I picked up one thing I picked up from it. The Michael J. Fox's acting mm. was the fact he incorporates this thing where he tends to trip over a lot. Yeah, yeah he's clumsy, isn't yeah. he? Well, that's what he put into it. He's not clumsy, but it kind of makes the, it makes him more of a, a likable fellow. Where he's fantastic, kind of, actor. stumbling around, fumbling around. Oh, yeah, yeah, one, of the, one of the best actors of his time, really. He was. Yeah, and it's, it's such a shame that. Um, Kind of his career has been pulled a bit but, short. But one thing, I think he's coping well with the medication. I did see a, yeah. a YouTube video recently where he was on stage doing Johnny Be Good with Coldplay. Oh, right. And, yeah, he's, um, it's good to see. And he's, champion, he's, he's a champion for you know Parkinson's yeah. disease as, yeah. as well in, in the US. So, yeah, a lot to admire the guy for. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. I think he's, Absolutely. He's great, right. right. So then, on that note, then, let's play this.
That little segue. That was great, wasn't it? <laughs> that, that was, was, good. That was, good. was I good. I had that. I had that prepped and ready to go. Prepped and ready to go. So the last film that we are going to talk to talk about tonight is Chad's film, which is RoboCop. Get to it. Okay. Yeah. The reason I've picked this film is because it's just well, it holds very many, many memories for me. Um, being a child in the eighties and not being able to see it at the cinema, <laughs> but. Um, uh, knowing a, an American kid on my estate who had a VHS copy of it before it was released over here because he, he could get it on the Alcumbria Air Base. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I think this film's the, the, probably one of the best um, because it's just, it, it plays on all your senses. We watched it recently and as we did the cinema experience with the screen and everything in the surround sound and, and the score is amazing. Um, so you've, you've got the, the, this sort of sci-fi iconic and almost haunting score going on um which reflects everything in the film which has humor you know it makes you laugh um sadness very very much you know there's a really sad scene in the in the, in the film uh, where um he's now a cyborg so he he can't 
um, be with his family anymore. So he's he's seeing his pictures of his son and wife, etc. Um, and horror, I think. Um, I think the scene where he's a, a police officer and he's murdered. It's horrific. It's pretty brutal, isn't yeah. it? Let's be honest. Yeah. That, is, watched, that is pretty brutal. It. it is in the director's cut. And we yeah. watched it, and uh, just the same feeling of anxiety coming up to that scene. So it, it even played on my anxiety, thinking, oh, this scene is pretty rough. Yeah. And that's a film, you know? Um, so it grabbed me there. And obviously sci-fi, that it, it's made... It, it kind of... The, the connection with Beverly Hills Cop being Detroit... But it's actually sort of there's e- there's even a film in the cinema now called Detroit, and I believe it's about yeah. problems. Well, this this film is is depicting a dystopian future, which is not far from the truth. You know that it, um, it's about it's about globalization, isn't it? Yeah, and it's the, like Paul Verhoeven. It's like yeah. Starship Troopers, and and, the, and the, the whole thing about the police being bought out, you know, and and, and being privatized and. and and it's, 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 it's got all that, hasn't it? And yeah, I think well, yeah, OCP, are, are, yeah. OCP, are, are just literally like yeah. they're like the umbrella corporation, yeah. really, aren't they? they and then, just of course, of... you've just got these guys that they obviously they, I don't know, they can't remember the budget for the film, but thirteen million dollars. They just got these actors, you know, Paul, um, Peter Weller. Sorry, that just he threw himself into the role, um, and the guy, the guy who plays the the. Uh, the the, um, the head, the head honcho, not Dick Jones. God forgive me. Who's who's yeah, Clarence Bonnegar? Clarence. Uh, yeah. This guy. I mean, he was in the seventies show, wasn't he? Yeah. Yes. As a comedian, but he just throws himself into the role, and he just he, he's brilliant, and 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 he's menacing because yeah, he's quite nerdy, he's isn't so he? So menacing, yeah. So it it's just and it's action packed. You know, I just I could watch the film tonight. Yeah, you know, um, so that's how for me, you know, that for me it's probably that and that and Die Hard uh, were, and I think because again because of my age, probably being back then they were so sort of violent, not really supposed to watch them, yeah. but I did. Well, the violent, the violent <laughs> there was that violent bit um, when he was getting shot, um, which obviously that was the director's cut, yeah. I think, and I never saw that in the original, and then no, they when cut we quite a bit out when we were watching that. My popcorn nearly fell off the lap, my lap. I didn't, I couldn't understand that I was seeing that level of violence in the movie from. But it was so back. brutal. It was, it was, it was from the, back in my youth. But Verhoeven just did say yeah, that he yeah. wanted to make that well, as brutal the, he, as possible. Oh, he, he, was, he, he was. He was. He was known for his heavy Paul, Ver, Paul Verhoeven uh, for his use of heavy Christian symbolism. Yep, and he wanted to this this whole thing to be a depiction of uh, like Jesus. Uh, being killed, being sacrificed for the greater good, and coming back uh, as a savior, and as the savior, as he rises, he's like Robocop. And then the scene at the end, he's actually going towards. To, he's going to go go and kill Clarence Bodiger. He's actually walking on the water. Oh right. So that's mm. uh, Christian symbolism there. Oh, so uh, that that scene had to be that violent. But the, because the, hope the clever, obviously, the crucifixion of Christ. Yeah, absolutely, you know, obviously, so, yeah. That's, I think so, that's his so that was his thing. subtext. Yeah. So he was uh, doing it before Mel Gibson then, basically. <laughs> yeah. The, the flagellation and yes. mutilation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he right. did it way before him. But the whole yeah. film itself, yeah. though, Robocop, is it is violent. There is a lot of violence yeah. in it. And funny, though. That's what's crazy. But it is. It, yeah. yeah. On one side, it's it, it's hilarious. And on the second side, it, it's like, hang on a minute. Here's a nice joke. Quick bang. Let's yeah, just and, and a, shoot someone. And a perfect example was that when Ed Ed um, one hundred and nine was it? Ed, yeah, Ed one hundred and nine. The, 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 the yeah, the, uh, the 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 legged thing yeah, robot. Yeah. Um, when it 
blasts the heck out of yeah. one of the executives, yeah. shoots him to pieces. You've got 20 seconds. 20 seconds, seconds to, to comply. comply. Yeah, that's yeah, the scene. Yeah, yeah. You know the one. Yeah. And then um, at the end, somebody says, get a medic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's going to make it. That's going to make a difference. But it was uh, yeah. it, in the context, it was so funny. Yeah, well, there was, there's another scene where the, the woman is is attacked, and then Robocop saves her, and he says, "I'm please, here's the number of mm. rape counseling, <laughs> the rape crisis so, unit." So, yeah, and you just think, you know, it's it's interesting. But even the infomercial, infomercials are titled together. They're fascinating. I was, I think, I was thinking recently, some of the Donald Trump snippets could be those oh, infomercials. Yeah, yeah. yeah and absolutely. you think that was a bit crazy then, but it's the reality now. So I think Paul Verhoeven was a visionary. He was looking forward to a to a world which is very similar to our to our world as it is today. And I would say to anybody, if you're going to watch a movie, okay, from anything that watch we've said, Stuart. okay, make sure it's War Games. But if you can't make War Games up, because it's my favourite, um, Robocop is definitely one which will get you thinking. And this, this is the minnow on the list, isn't it? In terms of box office receipts, out of all the films we've done in blockbusters, Robocop was a success, but thirteen million dollar budget, fifty three. Gross. Yeah, the return the wasn't so it wasn't yeah. right. small, but it, it was still a massive success. Yeah. But obviously that diminished in the sequels, didn't it? Yeah, no, the it sequels, made, but... I think it made money on its video sales. Didn't yeah, it? So, yeah, but yeah. It, but then they remade it like they do most films, and it kind of. Oh, I've only ever watched that one. So yeah. that was just trash. Also, it, it, it was an yeah. R stroke eighteen when it was released as well. So yeah. it's always going to have a smaller audience. Yeah. Whereas you know, Back to the Future was a PG, War Games was a PG. Yes. Having said that, Beverly Hills Cops was an. Beverly Hills Cop was an R as well, so it was know, Beverly Hills Cop was actually the most um, successfully high-grossing R-rated movie ever, yeah, ever up to there, yeah. until The Hangover. Yeah, that's how long until it lasted. <laughs> until The Hangover, that's wow. how long it lasted. It grossed two hundred thirty million dollars, Beverly Hills Cop, and that was only superseded twenty some odd years later. That, how is much that, has Deadpool done, Richard? That must be that was seven hundred fifty-five yeah, million that dollars. That now. must have been an arm. I mean, it, Eddie, it Eddie, was. Yeah. yeah, Eddie Murphy at that time he was riding the crest of a wave. He had loads of movies coming out. One of them bombed. That thing about the tank, I think it was, um, uh, with um, was Dudley, Dudley Moore. Oh Dudley right, Moore, I know, yeah. I know the film you made. Um, but he was he was riding the crest of a wave, and, and you know, and everybody knew about Eddie Murphy. Yeah, okay? of course they did. They knew Raw. They knew Delirious. Now. Since he did um, Shrek, yeah. a lot of people don't realise that he is the same guy who did Beverly Hills Cop because no. they only know him from his voice as yeah. the donkey. Yeah, yeah. yeah they don't yeah. know him. And, and I think that's the same with a lot of actors now that um, that, that move into the voice over, yeah. over yeah. animation. And it's very lucrative voice, voice work yeah. as well. Absolutely, it? and it's, by all accounts, easy money and all. Yeah, look but, look, look at Tim Allen. Yeah, he's, he's ranked it, isn't <laughs> Absolutely. he? Absolutely. So, tool time. So, for the last uh, for the last couple of minutes, we want to talk about a few other bits and pieces. But for for those of you listening and those of you listening on the podcast as well, um, obviously these are only four of our favourites. There are so many amazing films from the eighties. Go through IMDb, have a look for yourself. But try and watch some of these films because if you haven't seen them before. You will absolutely love each and every one of them for completely different reasons. Beverly Hills got being the best, obviously, mm. but you will love oh, them all well, for completely different reasons. Um, so yeah, so for the last couple of minutes, what I want to just talk to you about is um, the uh, the Seven Fifty Three Club, which is a little film club that we do every Wednesday, and we now do a podcast for that as well. So you can catch that on a Thursday. Um, if you want to catch it, and you want it automatically come down, go onto iTunes and hit the subscribe button on there as well, and have a listen back to some of our other shows because that would be amazing. Um, I do also want to just mention now that we have been asked uh, and we're very lucky to have been asked to be judges for the St. Neots Film Festival 
um, oh. for the adult mm. and the documentary um, entries as well, which is going to be fantastic. And we're hopefully going to try and do some work with them in terms of filming on their red carpet, etc. Um, for any information regarding the St. Neitz, uh Film Festival, if you want to put in a, a short film, 20-minute short film, just go on to... Um, Twitter on at St. Neitz Film Festival. You'll find any details on there. I've also put some details uh, on my Instagram as well, of uh, emails and, and bits and pieces that you can go to to submit anything. You've got until the 8th of October to submit your films. And then after that, they'll be talking about getting people to come in and actually view the films themselves and, and see them. And there's a lot, of, by all accounts, there's a lot been done um, by the uh, directors to get the films in. So do please, you know, keep an eye out for that. And that's that's a really good local cause as well. And that's happening on the 8th, 9th and 10th of November. And as I say, we will be the judges, um, but the four of us here will be some of the judges. There will be other judges as well, but we will be some of the judges. And We'll be uh, the best judges. Absolutely. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, our yeah. our 753 else. Film Club will be exactly just watching those for, for a couple of minutes, but um, well, a couple of hours. But, but yeah, so if you can get involved in that, that will be amazing. Um, even if it's just to show a bit of support by turning up, that will be awesome. Um, and that's it. That's it for our show. That it? That, that, that's it. That's a whole oh. hour gone. How quick was that? Can I, just say, can I just say one sentence? Go on then. The only film tonight that will never be remade in our lifetime will be Back to the Future. Yeah, I think That's so. what I think. I think you think? Because, well, Zemeckis and Bob Gale... Said they're never going to allow it to be remade. But no, I don't. I think, think I don't think you can make remake it. No, I think it's it's you know they tried Ghostbusters, didn't they? And that was yep. disaster. Oh, absolutely. Terrible. I think War Games. There's War Games remake coming up, isn't there? Well, there's Ray, Ray well, there's, there's been a War Games 2.0, yeah, um, which, which is due out next year uh, or the year after, depending on how far they get with post edit. I thought that would been out. But already. there was they, one in 2008. Director, director. I've DVD heard one. they're going to remake Showgirls. Well, you can't that you can't touch Showgirls. Well, you, well, that sounds wrong for start. That's not Shocking. one of Verhoeven's classics, is it? No, no, that have, really is. I don't. I don't think I've seen that one. I don't. Is there a gadget, are there any gadgets in that one? No, yeah. no, no uh, gadgets. It's, it's not yeah, gadgets. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's just a not not the gadgets classic. we can mention Perfect. anyway. It's an interesting swimming pool scene. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right, so, not my bag. Not so my bag. on that uh, on that lovely note, thank you guys very much for coming. It's been an absolute yeah, well, pleasure. It's been amazing. Um, obviously, if you haven't followed us on Twitter or Facebook, please do so. Uh, please also get involved with the St. Neitz Film Festival. Please hit subscribe as well and listen to some of the other shows that we've done. It'd be amazing. And the 753 Club podcast go out on a Thursday as well, so please be sure to have a listen to those. Um, next week I'll be joined by uh, Northampton uh, Nerds um, who's going to come in and talk about uh, Kevin Smith filmography along with um, a a local actress she's going to come in as well which is going to be fantastic and we're going to go through Kevin Smith filmography so until then I will uh, leave you with this have a great evening and I hope to speak to you soon there is one more thing it's been emotional
Film and TV show with Richard S.